Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Hiles. I'm Lydia Judy. I'm Derek Lemaster. And this is Scream Bloody Movies, the podcast that you love because we review a horror, horror movie each week and we talk about each other's moms. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, your mom is so nice. <laughs> She's kind of gullible, so. She'll believe it's, that statement that I just made then. It's to a fault, for sure. How are you guys doing? Good. Anything new and exciting? Nope. I got a nope. new job. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. My first, my first ever desk job. Um, I would tell, I probably wouldn't tell you on the podcast where I'm working, but. Oh yeah, that's uh, you know, I can bleep it out. <laughs> that's okay. Cause I don't know the name of the place. <laughs> then that's even better. Uh, first step would probably be to learn the name of it before you start. <laughs> it's funny. They want me to sign all these waivers and stuff. I... <laughs> Look, it takes place in a dark room. There's handcuffs. I mean, I just assume that it's fine. Yeah. yeah I, I just like to go with the flow. Go with it. Uh, as they say in one of my favorite movies of all time, rolling with the homies. <laughs> you know, that classic horror film, Clueless. <laughs> so, folks, we've got a great show for you. And, guys, I pulled some horror news for you. Um, there's actually quite a bit because... The most, the biggest news of the day so far is that <clears throat> Halloween Kills, this is recorded on September 8th, and Halloween Kills has just um, premiered in Venice. So we have some early first reactions, spoiler free first reactions, because we don't want to be spoiled, of course. Um, and so far, it's, uh, they're praising the uh, film's brutality and shocking kill scenes. That's exactly what we wanted to hear. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. So from what I've read so far about this, because this is the first thing I've looked up on it today, I've avoided all spoilers, but I've read up on it. Uh, the tweets so far are saying Halloween Kills is a darker, meaner, more disturbing, more disturbing entry in the franchise. The kills are absolutely brutal and shocking in the best way. Um, ben Rolf writes... Uh, it is a blood-filled roller coaster of a film with some of the most gnarly kills the slasher franchise has ever created. Uh, and then um, he also says, it might be one of the most brutal films ever made. It's quite refreshing as it takes some surprising turns in the story. So guys, uh, hearing this stuff, how much more excited are you to see Halloween Kills? I'm like 10% more excited and that's <laughs> not even it's like off the scale yeah how excited you even can be so Derek does this is this good news to you great news to me yeah very excited good news to hear I know that uh you know we've talked about it before but this could be I think we should definitely go as a group to watch this one um so that way we have our we have our full reactions for you guys when we see it, spoiler-free, of course, and can uh, just gush about it all night long. <laughs> so uh, next on the um, agenda is 
they have you guys knew that they were doing a new uh resident evil movie right we talked about this yep um so the reboot film is called uh welcome to raccoon city and it is uh looks to be legit based off the games like there's no alice there's none of that uh here's a shot from the movie of our characters um Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield and Albert Wesker from the actual um, from the actual games. Uh, here's our first shot of it, right here. That looks like a Resident Evil game. Like this is a Resident Evil movie, yeah. Yeah. Like you want to know like, what I hate? What's that? I hate when they build like the lore of something and then they make the movie and they're just like, hey. All these things that we really liked about, uh, like in this case, it was a game. They like change. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like the Resident Evil movies. I think they're fun in their, for what they are, but they are nowhere, nothing like the games whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see this. It just also got rated, was another piece of mo uh, news, and it was R. rated R for strong violence and gore. So, how excited are you guys to see a new Resident Evil movie? And uh, what are your thoughts, Lydia? Um, I never played the games or anything like that. Um, <laughs> so, I just have the movies to go off of. And it's like, yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> not like super, I'm not as excited as I am about some other things coming out. But Well, yeah, Halloween Kills is up here. Off the off the charts, and then everything else is over here. Derek, what are your thoughts on a new Resident Evil, especially one <laughs> faithful to the games? I probably should have uh, mentioned that I have never actually played any of the games, <laughs> but I did like the I did like the franchise, the movie franchise. I thought it was always entertaining. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with this, and I'm glad that they are more faithful. But I do hate that stuff. When they change it, yeah, <laughs> it really yeah I like my my buns. Oh wow, wow, yeah, that's rough when it burns your buns. I uh, I I like the Resident Evil um, movies just fine too, but I was a huge fan of the games. I grew up playing them, and so when I watched the first movie, I was like, uh, "This is nothing like the games at all." But it, it kicks ass, and Mia Jovovich is awesome, so I'm I'm in. And then around the third or fourth sequel, it started to get a little iffy. Then by the end, the last sequel was just not very good at all. Like, I felt like um, basically the movie, three-fourths of the movie was shot in, in slow motion. So, like, if they would have sped it up, it would have been like a 25-minute movie. <laughs> but, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for it. So... Um, this is interesting. I don't know uh, what to uh, think about this. Netflix is releasing an interactive WWE horror movie on October 5th, where the plot of this is three members of the New Day will try to escape The Undertaker. <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on this? What? 
<laughs> and how is it? And do they give any clues on how it's interactive? Because well, all I can so, imagine is that scene um, from Big where he's playing the video game on his computer. So you'll decide the fate of a new day as the group tries to survive the wrath of the Undertaker. So basically, you choose. It's a you choose adventure, basically. <laughs> yeah. With the new day escaping the Undertaker. I mean, I guess Mark is uh, like, hey, I'm retired. I can do what I want now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Let's get into movies. I ha I don't know what to think of that. I'm completely uh, in shock right now. Lydia, what are your thoughts on this? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> That's it's my probably thought. for the best. Yeah, probably. So, full disclosure, uh, I grew up a big wrestling fan. Still am. So, I enjoy that genre. I, however, do not think we need a... Uh, a <laughs> Horror movie star in The Undertaker in The New Day. <laughs> this is going to be wild. This shit's going to get wild is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what, uh, Jamie? I think you and I should watch this together. I think so. Lydia, you can watch it with us because you'll have no idea what's going on. It'll make it even yeah. better. So oh, you'll uh, say... In our feature, the WWE that? does make a uh, an appearance. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I to... What part? I'm conf I directed Morty it. is watching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. <laughs> Vince McMahon is even like, you can hear him in the background. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Vincent K. McMahon. Good guy. <laughs> Not really, but hey, we love you, Vince. All right. Um. So now, I read that, guys, and I was blown. I was like, what in the actual crap? <laughs> Is that? So here's a bit of uh, exciting news, I guess. Uh, it's looking like the a, in a surprising move that was announced at the start of the week, the upcoming Fetty Alvarez produced Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not being released in theaters, but is streaming exclusively to Netflix. Mm. So um, what do you guys think of that? Um, and will you watch it? It it comes out on uh, let's see, where does it say its release date? I can't find it, but uh, oh, it's probably lower down here. But are, what do you guys think of the idea of it releasing on Netflix? Well, that makes what me happy. Like to... Yeah, go ahead. I'm okay with it. I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just. About this. Whatever, Derek. What'd you say? I have an opinion. Uh, I, Go ahead. I honestly think that this will probably save the movie. And what I mean by that is, if it was, if the plan was to re release it in theaters, with uh, the way that the box office sales are currently, I'm pretty sure it probably would have tanked. Hmm. And so I think that this is a really safe move and a, a good strategic move on their behalf to do it on Netflix. If I had to guess. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um with the pandemic still raging um until we get it under wraps that's probably is the safest bet um i think it, i mean i'm excited to see it i'll definitely watch it mm -hmm. yeah me um, too. i mean yeah, I, watch. I watch all the chainsaw movies and the last several have been terrible but i keep watching them because of yeah. course i am why wouldn't i you know what i mean why wouldn't i watch a texas chainsaw movie yeah um so, um, yeah, I'm excited. Fetty Alvarez has a great track record. 
yeah. excited to see what he can bring to it. I still didn't haven't seen Don't Breathe Two. I kind of, I want to see it. See what's up with that. Um, so yeah, uh, that's exciting news. I have to look up the release date on that. And finally, our last bit of news, guys. We're gonna have we'll release a separate video for this uh, a trailer reaction video. Uh, we're gonna release a trailer reaction video for this separately. But Baby Whoopsie Chapter Two, Demonic Toys. New trailer release, guys. I'll show you the image of it. I know you guys are really huge fans of Baby Oopsie. There's Baby Oopsie. <laughs> what is uh, happening? September 3rd, uh, Chapter 2. Oh, hey. It'll be available on Amazon Prime next week, and it's on fullmoonfeatures.com right now as you know we what? speak. I'm going to make a prediction. Make it that that Sprint commercial is going to be more entertaining than that movie <laughs> that was playing on that web page. Hey, hey, uh, we all have you know subscribed to Full Moon <laughs> streaming, so it might be popping up there before too long. You don't know. You know, we we are uh, you know. I'm just staying subscribed because we have about 87 more Puppet Masters to go. So <laughs> They just keep adding to it, man. By this point, they'll add two more before we get all <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true is the crazy thing. Keep on going. Keep on going. All right, guys. That's all for the horror news. <clears throat> so now let's get into the meat of why we are here, which is our review of George... A. Romero's, and Stephen King's Creep Show. So uh, let's let's start with uh, our history with Creep Show. Uh, Lydia, uh, obviously this is the first time you've seen this movie either, correct? Right. Uh, what's your history with Creep Show? Um, I saw it one other time. Oh. In high school with a bunch of friends, and I really liked it then, but I forgot a lot of it since then. Awesome. Derek, uh, you grew up with Creepshow, yes? Oh, yeah. It came out a year before I was born, so I've seen it many, many times, and you and I actually uh, watched this not too long ago. Yeah, we did so. in our just leisure time. Yeah. Um, I grew up with this movie as well. I remember watching it on uh, HBO. It was always on HBO, and I remember watching it on that and on... Uh, <clears throat> my grandma had a VHS copy of it, so I'd watch it on that too. And uh, it was just one of those that was always on a cycle. So whenever it'd pop on, on TV or whenever it'd pop on uh, HBO or what have you, I'd always check it out. And then I went and bought the uh, Shout Factory uh, Blu-ray and have uh, watched it many times since, which is a great Blu-ray. You guys should totally check it out if you're a fan of this movie. Um so let's just get into this. Uh, let's get to the beginning of it. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go segment by segment and talk about each segment separately and kind of give our grades for each segment. And then we will uh, give our grade for the whole movie. Average um, amount, you would say? Uh, I don't think I'm going to average them out. You can do what you <laughs> want to do. If you want to create a goddamn <laughs> spreadsheet like you do, you do you. Do you. 
<laughs> I uh, I did do some calculations. For the <laughs> That did happen. Well, you know, hey, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do. Um, but what we'll do is we'll start with the segments. Uh, do you guys want to start with the wraparound? Or do you want to start with just the opening of the wraparound? And then the closing of the wraparound at the end? Yeah, let's yeah, do that. I say let's do that. Okay. All right. So we'll start with the opening of the wraparound. So <clears throat> the opening of this wraparound is pretty, pretty great. Like, I love the opening shot. We just see the house, you know, and we hear the the dialogue overlapping and we hear a father yelling at his son about something and he's talking about you can't look at this crap blah blah and when we cut into the house we realize that the great tom atkins <laughs> is a father who is um yelling at his son for reading a creep show magazine and he flat out smacks the sun for the for this uh, horror crap that he's reading as he puts it and then he takes the um the sun turns on the waterworks no daddy please i'm sorry well, i bet you you've heard that before right derek oh my god every day <laughs> i will say dude his son there um was giving it right back to him like oh yeah you're your magazines. Yes. Under, yes. Underwear drawer. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the wife says, "Oh, you didn't have to slap him. Whatever." He runs out. Tom Atkins runs outside and well, not runs, but walks outside very coolly, and <laughs> throws throws the uh, magazine in the trash. And then we have uh, the the boys upstairs crying, basically. And saying that I hate you, you know, whatever, and I hope you die. And Tom Atkins delivers one of the best lines in the movie, right, Derek? One hundred percent. Go ahead. Best What's line that line? In the movie ever. He's like, uh, that's why God made fathers, babe. That's why God made fathers. Yeah. So drinking a beer. Yeah. So so there. Uh, you know, she's talking about you didn't have to be so harsh. You didn't want him reading that horror crap. Blah blah blah. Uh, you know, you have to punish him. That's why God made fathers, babe. It's what God made fathers. <laughs> and then we we go upstairs to the to the boy's room and we see the creep appear. And he, mm -hmm. he pops up and first in a great like uh you know uh like practical effect skeleton. Yeah. And then he transforms into this cartoon and like starts, you know, telling us to come here. And um, we go to this great cartoon opening. So, what do you, what do you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on this whole bit? I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> I'm not a fan yeah. of him, like you know, giving his kid the business. But uh, dude, it was, it was a really. If it was a wife, you'd be totally into it. One hundred percent. Oh my god. <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, it was really great. I love this opening. I really love the attitude of the kid, man. He, I love it when he gives it back to his dad. Oh yeah. <laughs> and when he waves, like he's like happy about the like skeleton. Yeah, thing he's so happy to see the creep. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Lydia, your thoughts? I like it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really cool. Um, well, one, I forgot that Tom Atkins was in this movie. Um, 
I didn't really, yeah, I don't know. I, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. There you are. <laughs> the, the person we talk about every single week. Yeah, he's here. He's right here. Uh, so that was funny, but, um, yeah, I like how it kind of like cuts into like the comic book kind of like, mm. or like the cartoony, like has these like frames in it. That yeah. Just uh, like hand-drawn animation is really cool. Yeah, I I agree. I love it too. I like, uh, I think it sets the tone for what we're about to see very well. Yeah. Because it, it shows the humor. So we, we know that we're going to see some humor. We know we're going to see horror because it's called Creep Show. And then we see the skeleton, but we know we're in for a spooky fun time. And not necessarily a dreadful, frightening time, but a spooky good time. Mm -hmm. And that, that comic book animation is gorgeous. It's so good. Um, and the way it leads into um, the uh, first segment is awesome. And the way all the transitions happen in this movie are awesome, in my opinion. Um, so what we'll do is we'll... We'll give its rating, the wraparound rating, at the end when we wrap around, when we finish the wraparound, because it's one segment. <clears throat> but it leads us right into the first segment, which is Father's Day. And what I really appreciate about those transitions is how it goes to the comic book page, and then we kind of zoom in on an object in the comic book page or the panel itself, and then it fades in from that panel to live action, like faithfully recreated is just like goddamn genius. I love it so much. Um, so the first segment is called Father's Day. And the gist of it is um, we, this family has gathered to um, celebrate Father's Day. And they're like this wealthy, uh, well-off family. Um, and Ed Harris. Um <laughs> uh, because he's, of course, the, he's the, the wife, or he's the husband of the sister. So he's just into the family. And yep. he's our audience surrogate, essentially, so that way we get the backstory for what's going on. And we find out that um, the great aunt of, of this family uh, murdered her dad on uh, Father's Day because her dad was a crazy belligerent asshole. And he apparently murdered her like love the love of her life in a hunting accident um so on was father's his, day uh, was his name dick cheney <laughs> he was not but i think maybe that's where old dick got the idea um <laughs> but he um he starts being super belligerent and saying where's my kick i want my kick and uh the daughter finally has enough of it and bashes him over the head with a um, ashtray, which, by the way, shows up in every single other segment if you look for it. It's in there. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the ashtray hits him over the head and he dies. And so she comes back every year on Father's Day, visits her dad's grave, and then they go and she gets drunk and then they have like a, a, a dinner. So the, the matriarch of the family tells this story really well. Like this really, I love the dynamic between all of them uh, telling bits and pieces of the story as it's going. Um, what do you guys think of this setup? 
Either of you. You guys can. <laughs> You're muted, Derek. It's probably a good thing. That's what I thought. <laughs> no. <clears throat> so, I mean, they're, they're, uh, I do like the way that they uh, they tell the story. Each of them have a bit to, to tell. Um, and, man, I probably would have bashed his head in, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and I think it's, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a shame uh, what happens after this because it sounded like that guy deserved what he got. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like a good guy, does he, Lydia? No. It really stressed me out. <laughs> I was like, man, I do not like this. If I was her, I would, yeah, I don't know. It's a really funny way that they portrayed everything, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I love, like, the visual, like, things around him as he's, as we're going to the flashback and the little cloud around the screen and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that to frame it. And uh, so... She goes out, the aunt goes out to drink and talk to her dad, and she has this great monologue talking to the grave. And she said, bitch, you called me a bitch. You called me a bitch. And it's this great little bit. And then she, yeah. uh, you know, is resting there. And all of a sudden, in this beautiful shot, the, the hand of the uh, dad pops up in, in the foreground of the shot. And he starts crawling out, and he says, I want my cake. And he's this gross yep. skeleton. Uh, dude, what do you guys think of the design of the dead father? It's pretty good. Yeah. I liked when his hand comes up, that there's little, like there's roots growing out of his fingers. Mm -hmm. That was a really good uh, um, attention to detail because he's been there for a while. I, I thought that part was really great. He looked yeah, pretty I good. I love the red lighting when it happens. Yeah, mm -hmm. the lighting. Yeah, the, cool. the lighting in this movie is excellent. It's one of the best uses of non-natural light that you'll ever see, like unmotivated light. And uh, <clears throat> so he uh, he kills her, basically strangles her to death, and yep. then continues on towards the house. Or, or you think he's going to the house. You don't know where he is yet. He just walks off. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're introduced to... We're introduced to Ed yeah. Harris's in the in the wife and all their dancing and stuff inside. What, oh there? man, I'm glad. No, this is I've been waiting for this part. Oh yeah, I'm getting there. So they're inside and they're listening to music and we have like one of the fucking weirdest dance scenes I've ever seen in my life. So weird. <laughs> oh, you better believe that some of that dance footage is going to end up in this uh, episode. You mean well, like, like right here? Ed? Yes. <laughs> And right here. Ed Harris's, Ed Harris's face in this is, I mean, oh my God, it made me laugh so hard. That's my favorite bit too, is the face. When he's like doing like that. Like, no. Yes. <laughs> I also like the move he does when he turns down the radio. He's like. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I'm, I don't even smoke, right? Uh, and you know how I feel about this, but like he goes from that ridiculous uh, dance to like when they're like, oh, you should go out and like uh, check on stuff outside or he goes outside randomly. And dude, the way he like leans against the wall and like pulls out his smokes and then takes the match and lights it against the. Yeah, I was like, yeah, all right. You know what? Legitimately, like that was <clears throat> that looked pretty cool. Yeah, I don't lie, I don't dude. Smoke. 
I was thinking that exact same thing. Like, Ed Harris is just naturally cool, I think. Even after he's just got done. Montage. Yeah, even after the got done doing a goofy-ass dance. Like, he's just so I love the way that's his character is that he likes the the match in cool ways. And I love the yeah. fact that, yeah, just the way he leans against it and I, I thought as the same Harris, thing. I was like, yeah, a cool as son of a bitch. Say, you totally redeemed yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Ed goes outside to basically essentially check on the ant is what he did. I think he initially goes outside because the, the matriarch annoys him because she's like, turn that down. And he's like, man, mm-hmm. I was just just got done doing like five lines of coke and I'm dancing. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> and uh, so he goes outside and he starts investigating. And he's asking for her, you know, hollering for the ant, whatever. And uh, he sees a, a bottle of whiskey on the ground. So he, goes, he picks it up, smells it, and then like goes to take a drink of it and falls into the grave. The empty grave of the dad. And as he's laying there, the headstone above him shifts towards him. And it keeps shifting. And he just keeps laying there and watching it, like, afraid to move. Then he finds the dead ant, which shocks him. And then he finds the dad standing above him. And he's pulling it with his mind, essentially. Like, he's using some kind of magic to pull the gravestone, which crushes him. And that's our first kill of the movie. And you what are you guys thinking? <clears throat> yeah, no, it is frustrating for sure. Because you're like, just move. Get up. Yeah. You have so much Do time. anything except Get for up. sit there and watch it inch by inch move to your death. Like, yeah. I, it really it made me so anxious because I was like, yeah. are you dumb? Get up. Yeah. But then you just get that splatter noise, like yeah. a squish, like cartoon mm. squish noise. Yeah. 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 Because when he first <laughs> falled in, he's like, oh, I can't believe, you know, you, you can tell he was like, I can't believe this happened. And then he finds the hand and he's like, of the, the dead uh, lady. And then that starts happening. And you're just like, oh, man, what are you going to do? If that was a train. Well, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, so. I agree. I was thinking that as I'm watching it. I'm like, man, the t- like, why doesn't he move? But then I, then I started kind of thinking about it. Like, when the thing starts moving, he's kind of like just slowly trying to move. Like, he's afraid that if he moves too fast, it's going to fall on him. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he's trying to. And then when he sees the, the dad, he, like, freezes in fear. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I would have ran. But at the same time, I've never seen a, a skeleton man magically pulling a gravestone off. So I don't know how I would react. Maybe I would just not move at all either. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's definitely, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, uh, but a good, very good first kill, I think. Oh, second kill, because our first kill was strangulation. But it's a very good, uh, it's a very good kill, I think, the, the idea of it, of him getting smashed by the gravestone. Um. So then we go back inside, and uh, the the matriarch of the family is like, you know, what's taking so long? Where are they? And the the daughter, or the uh, Ed Harris's wife, is still dancing, and she's like, "Where is he? I want him." She's like super pouty, 
And uh, the matriarch goes to investigate, and she's asking for the housekeeper. And guys, this shot when she ha- when she asks for the housekeeper, and she she has the door swung open, and you see like the little picture window beside her, and she says the housekeeper's name, and then she, her head pops in there because she's dead. Is awesome. What do you guys think of that moment? It was a pretty good one. Yeah. So uh, she runs into the dad as she sees the footprints. She goes in, opens the door, and her death is gnarly. He grabs her head and he breaks it all the way around. (laughs) He spins it all the way around. Um, So she's gone. (laughs) Yeah. So then the uh, siblings start arguing. What? First of all, let's break down these characters. Uh, the siblings are are a different breed, right? Like we have the brother who is probably light in his loafers, and clearly incredibly intoxicated. And then this whiny sister. Um, what do you guys think of their dynamic? They're oh, kind of they, funny. It was the definition of spoiled rich kid. Yep. Especially the, the female. You could tell that she is used to getting her way. Yes. Yes. And then the uh the and and the, the brother is just selfish. Like for the longest time, he's like, I'm just here to get drunk. You can do what you want to do. And then finally, she's like, please, and he's like, Fine, let's go. And I love when they walk into the kitchen and the lights are out and he says, are we conserving energy? (laughs) 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 And then, of course, they go to open the door and they're met with father as well, who has the matriarch's head on a platter with frosting and candles sticking out. And he says, I got my own cake. And their reactions, the it's the first time we see the the patented creep show reaction, where it's a steel still frame behind him that's red and you know colorful, and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. and then the segment ends. What do you guys think of that ending? I loved it. I was like immediately like I was like okay okay I'm ready for this the rest <laughs> of this movie now. It's a great tone setter, I yeah, feel like. Definitely. Um, Derek, what would you give Father's Day? I gave it a five. Out of ten? Out of ten. I gave it a five. I personally did not like this segment. I thought it was, uh, in my own opinion, I thought it was the weakest of all five of them. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know, there was just something about it. I had initially given it a three, but then with your enthusiasm convinced me to change my uh, <laughs> change my mind on that, so I bumped it up a little bit. Goddamn Simon Cow here, I'm telling you. You can't <laughs> please this guy. Lydia, what did you give Father's Day? Okay, so I have to kind of think about my rating system for these a little bit. Um... And remember, they, you don't have to average them. Only Derek's doing that. Okay. <laughs> you can do whatever so, you want. So out of 
five stories. This was my third favorite. Okay. So you don't have to give it a rating. You can just say how you liked it as far as... So this is your third favorite segment. Yeah. So I liked it a lot, but there were a couple others that I liked a little bit better. But I really, I like I said, it's like really strong, like opener like where you're just like what to expect from the rest of these as far as like kind of your anxiety level of horror and like the gore that might be in it and 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 the fun you know kind of comic uh i don't know kind of like comedy in it too yeah i am leaning definitely towards lydia i think this segment is extremely strong it's not my it's not my favorite segment either but I think as an opener goes, it says it's a really great opener because it, it sets the tone, like you said, for what's to come. Like you see, okay, so we're getting into some crazy supernatural shit. Mm -hmm. We don't explain how the father rises because we don't need to know why the father rises. We don't explain why these things happen because it doesn't matter how they're happening. They just happen. That's the universe of creep show. Yeah. And it's a comic book, remember. It's a comic book. So... Mm -hmm. It definitely sets that tone of being a comic book, especially with certain shots that I really enjoy. The the maid shot being a great one and the uh, hand being a great one. My favorite shot in this movie is later in another segment. Uh, my favorite shot of the whole movie. But uh, that's a great shot. And I love the bit with the with the uh, maid is really strong too. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a fine one. I would give it, I'd give it seven out of 10. I like it. I like it. It's good. So we transition from that into what I really love is when we go to the transitions, it flips the pages of the comic book and we get to see little ads or we get to see letters to the editor because it's like an old uh, EC Comics, you know, um, vibe. So we get those little uh, EC Comics uh, horror bits, you know which comes to play uh, in the wraparound. But um, our next segment is the lonesome death of Jody, uh, Jordy Verrill. So, um, Derek, before we start on this one, when you were talking about the WWE bit, I was confused mm -hmm. because that, the reason it took me a minute is I didn't realize you were talking about this movie. I thought you were talking about our movie. And I was like, we don't have WWE in our movie at all. What the hell is he talking I about? I thought that too. Didn't you? Because yeah. he said in our movie. And I was like, were you racking your brain? Were you like... Yeah. I was like, I must not have been there for that. I, I <laughs> did did they uh, add a segment where there's wrestling? <laughs> and when you said Jordy is when I realized that you were talking about this movie. I was like, Jordy? Oh, this movie. Because at first when you said Jordy, I thought you were talking about Star Trek. And then I thought you were talking about my brother. <laughs> then I realized it's this. I was like, Jordy, what the fuck? Oh, oh, it makes sense. Um, so yeah, the lonesome uh, death of Jordy Verrill starts off amazingly. I love the opening shot of this. We see the wide angle of that of the night sky in the farmhouse on the comic book. And then it transitions to a night sky in real life. And it's mm -hmm. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. My second favorite shot of the movie. And uh, we see a meteor fall into the ground. 
And Jordy Verrill, this hillbilly redneck played by none other than our writer of this movie, Stephen King, uh, delivering the most amazingly over-the-top performance you could ever ask for. Before we get into it, what do you guys think of King's Jordy Verrill uh, performance? I love it so much. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard for me to quantify how much I love it. I know. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It is so just silly. I love it so much. Derek, what do you think of King's Jordy Verrill? I think that if you tried to uh, readapt that story and you tried to use anybody else except for him, it wouldn't work. Mm -mm. It wouldn't work at all. No, he, he is. He embodies Jordy Farrell. He does embody Jordy. <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to say uh, four out of ten. <laughs> we're not there yet. He's our very own Bret, Bret Hart. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the meteor crashes. Jordy Verrill goes over and sees this meteor. And he's like, oh, my God. It's a meteor. Um you know, I need to I need to check on it. So he goes and touches it and burns himself. And he's and he's like, ow. Oh, I wonder how much I can get from this from the local college. And so we do this great flash, this like alternate dream, where we see him yeah. at the university with this crotchety old doctor. And he's like, How much do you want for that? Oh, how much do you want for that meteor? And he's like, Well, I think I should get $200? <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to give you 75 Nope, $200. And so he's counting the money, and he's like doing it in fives and ten. He's like, keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> I, well, love I love when he comes he back, and he's like got all these plans for the money. He's like, oh, I can yeah. pay off that bank loan. Yeah, I can pay yeah. off that bank loan is my favorite line. It's like... <laughs> What? I also pay off that bank he, he brings the meteor to them. He's got it in his little his little metal pail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in a little metal pail. So he uh he of course uh talks about his bank loan and all that good stuff. And then he said, I need to cool it off. Because he touched it, remember, and it's hot. So he goes and uh pouring the pours the water into that pail and he's like licking his lips as he doesn't keep licking his fingers because they burn. And then he dumps the water on it and the meteor immediately splits in half. And then wait, this wait, wait. after or it splits in half after he's already inhaled all the vapors that came off <laughs> this thing like Of yeah. course. Yeah. So yeah, it smokes like a mofo and then it cracks in half and all this goo is in the opening of it and he said oh no jordy Verrill, you lunkhead nobody's <laughs> gonna pay for a broken meteor so he cuts to uh another dream sequence and he's got his hat in his hand and he's got the pail with the broken in half meteor and he's like two hundred dollars for a broken meteor i wouldn't give you two dollars for it and he's like oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's um, so sweet. It's it's so yeah. cute to see him just thinking about it in that way. Like, yeah, yeah. So then he's like, "Well, I gotta try." And 
he takes it up to the thing and he's all sad, goes inside. And this is what Derek was talking about. He pulls open uh, a beer and turns on the TV and WWF at the time, wrestling is on. And uh, Vince McMahon's commentating it. And he sits down, drinking his beer, um, looking at the blisters on his finger, you know. And then uh, the next thing he knows, he decides to, he looks at his finger again as he's drinking his beer and he sees that green moss has grown out of it. Also, there's a great bit where he pours out the meteor and he says, and gets some on his oh, hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meteor shit! <laughs> Genius. And then he, All I can uh, think of is like when they were making the uh, like the stuff for the meteor, they're like, hey, does anybody have any glow sticks? Let's break these things open and pour that. that I hope not. I think that shit's like mercury or something. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it looks like. It's this like purplish glowing liquid. And uh, he sees that he's, you know, starting to grow moss out of his fingers. He goes and looks at it. And then he <coughs> goes to lick his uh, fingers again and realizes that he's been licking them. And he, so he goes and checks his tongue and sees that there's green on his tongue, too. Um so he starts, uh, you know, freaking out. And the best part is his reaction to this is just to sit back down because he goes to – so he goes to call the doctor, and he makes a phone call. And he has – he's like, wait, and has another dream where the doctor basically says that he needs to amputate his arm. Yeah. And this is where my favorite shot in the movie is. There's this great split diopter shot where you see uh, – and Derek, you'll drop this in here, where you see the uh, doctor looking at his knife and Jordy Verrill's behind him, and they're both in focus. This great split diopter shot. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I love it. Love that shot so much. I'm like, oh, man, they put a lot of time just into that one shot. Such a comic book shot. Such a great filmmaking shot. Um, so... <laughs> He, he, you know, he decides not to call the doctor because the doctor is going to just amputate his arm. So he sits back down, <laughs> continues to drink, and then the moss starts spreading throughout the whole farmland. And he wakes back up uh, and realizes, oh, no, I'm covered in more stuff. Uh, what am I going to do? And he decides to... Uh, drink away his problems so he grabs a thing of vodka and pours it grabs a pitcher of orange juice and just pours it all in there and the best part is he stirs it in <laughs> with the vodka bottle yeah um and then just chugs it chugs it chugs it passes out wakes up and he's covered in even more moss it's just yeah. like control you know taking over his body uh, so he gets the bright idea to get in the bathtub because he thinks this is going to help him. So he goes in there, and then he has this really weird scene where he sees his dad in the mirror. And his dad's talking to him, and he's like, Jordy Varro, what are you doing? He's like, don't you, don't get in that bathtub. You get in that bathtub, you're going to die. He's like, I'm dying anyway, Pa. I'm dying anyway. <laughs> And then he disappears. He's like, Paul? So he looks at the 
<laughs> this is the best. He looks at the bathtub. And then he uh, starts, like, shaking his, mm, you know, like, licking his lips, doing the whole hand thing, his hand gestures, and then decides to just fall into the bathtub. Then the next scene we so see. So it lingers on the bathtub for a second. Yes. And from the angle, it almost looks as if the bathtub is contaminated. That's what I got from that shot. And it, yeah. must, it might have been just the lighting. It I think it's like the it lighting of the water. Because well, surely it, it's. It, it highlights it like it's glowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, surely adding water on top of a plant base that's growing rapidly is not the best of ideas. At least not without I mean, soap or anything. So, bleach? Um, ble anything, yeah. Yeah. Um, adding... <laughs> but um, the next time we see Jordy, he's completely covered. He's a uh, Swamp Thing-looking guy, and he's, he can't, he's talking like this, and he can't talk. And he always talks about, he's like, there's only one luck Jordy Farrell has. B A D bad. B A D bad. <laughs> and so he's like, God, just let me have good luck this one time. And he takes a shotgun and he shoots his head off. And then we cut from there and we hear the weather report, which is talking about yep. how great the weather's been and how the whole town of Castle Rock's going to be covered in green before they know it. And then we fade out or from yep. out to the comic book. What do you guys think of the lonesome death of Jody Verrill? Derek, let's start with you. Uh, it is a, it's the, I, I think it's the most uh, com, or comedic, ep, or uh, not episode, but the bit of the entire movie. Um, I don't think that anybody else could have played that character now that you've seen Stephen King's uh, version. Um, I liked it a lot. It was a lot of fun. I really liked at the end whenever they were like, they went out to the the roads and they see the crossroads and it shows uh, Castle Rock. I like that mm -hmm. reference. It was really, it was a good one. Good one. Yep. Uh, we'll get your rating for it in a second. Uh, Lydia, what do you think of the lonesome death of Judy Barrow? I really love it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something about Stephen King just like wins me over in this whole thing. Like, I don't know. I, it's just beautiful the way it was shot. I mean, the green, everything being green, I just love it. Like, I'm obsessed with like collecting plants right now, and I just want my house to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> I also love this segment. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. Very funny. I think it's uh, kind of sad, too, because Jordy Verrill does nothing wrong. He's just not very intelligent. But he's and he's a he's a sweet character, and Stephen King plays him so funnily that you just can't help but love him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a wonderful segment. Um, Derek, what would you rate this one? So I gave that one a uh, rating of seven. Oh, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, you uh, you your uh, retelling of these stories. I did bump it up a little bit. I. Had it one less, so you re-enthused the uh, the episode. So you're remembering episode. how it feels <laughs> in your cold, dead Tin Man heart. 
I mean, that might well that might well be. But I gave it a seven. I, it was a lot of fun. It was one of the more fun segments of the, the five stories. Lydia, uh, what would you rate it? I mean, I know uh, you didn't rate the last one, but I didn't. Yeah, um, this was my second favorite out of. Oh, okay. So if we get to your first favorite, don't tell us until we till the end, because okay. we're gonna also you know do that. Um, I give this one a seven out of ten as well. I really like it. Uh, I think it's fun. I think it's uh, inventive with some great shots and a great crazy ass lead performance by Stephen King. I love that you know George Romero was like, "Oh, hey, you're gonna play him, and you're gonna do a great job at it." <laughs> Just to say shit like meteor shit. I feel like Stephen King had to have been like, no, I'll just do it. Yeah, it had to be. He's like, hey, you know what? Uh, I want to play Jordan Barrow. Because <laughs> yeah. I think I, I've, got a, I've got a line on this guy. I think I know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got him down. I think we need to make a shirt that says, Jordy Barrow, you lunkhead. I love it. I think we'll I'm make those. I'm shocked that there's not, already, that there's not already one. Yeah, if there if there is, then more power to them. But if not, we'll we'll make one because it's a great piece. And if there is, we'll buy it because it's a great T-shirt to have. I was thinking about doing like some kind of painting or artwork, so maybe that that might be it. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, so we transition from that one to uh, the next segment, which is um, something to tide you over. So. <clears throat> This segment is great for many reasons, and we'll get into it. Um, but the casting in this segment is probably one of the best pieces of casting in the whole movie. So you got to remember when this movie came out, 1982, right? Movie came out in 1982. So Airplane, if I remember, came out in 1980. Um, which, of course, was a huge, a huge hit. Yeah, 1980 was Airplane. So Airplane came out in 1980 and, of course, was this huge, monstrous uh, comedy juggernaut and launched, uh, created a second act uh, of a career for Leslie Nielsen, who up to that point had been known for dramatic roles. So for us growing up in the late you know, growing up in the 80s and you in the 90s and such, um, whenever we see Leslie Nielsen, we think of comedy, right? I mean, that's who he is. He's Frank Drebin, you know? So what's great about this seg segment is we get to see Leslie Nielsen having fun and being silly while also playing it deadly straight. And it's a, it's a great, uh, what do you guys think of this casting? is perfect both uh he and ted danson yes they did they I had good was, chemistry on screen yeah ahead, they did you. they did really great um i thought it was weird because i guess being a 90s kid i used to see he was in becker right oh ted danson yes yeah. ted danson was so, in becker so for me i was like look he has brown hair because <laughs> <laughs> he just always I, has gray hair but i noticed that I think that that is dyed or I think that's not his real hair color in that because his chest hair was like completely. Well, he has gray at that point. It was his regular hair because he was in, he was starring in cheers. 
Yep. See, you're so young that you don't remember Cheers. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I definitely saw, yeah, I didn't watch Cheers much, but I I did see Becker on, though. Yeah, but Becker, yeah. that was later in his life. Gray chest hair. I'm like, he had to have grayed super early. Yeah, he started graying, but at this point he was in probably in his 40s, I would guess. So, um, you know, about the right time. But no, Ted Danson used to have a thick set of, head of brown hair when he played, uh, of course, uh, Sam Malone from Cheers, which was right around the time that this came out. So Ted Danson was known for Cheers. Leslie Nielsen was known for uh, bit parts and dramatic parts in, in movies. Of course, he was a big part of Forbidden Planet. Um, but, and then Airplane came along two years earlier and just like completely changed the trajectory of his career uh, and gave him a second, a second life. Uh, I think Police Squad came out the next year, 83, is when Police Squad started filming, 83, 84. Um, so let's get into this one. Yeah, I think the two leads are great together. And you're right, Derek. I think they have fantastic chemistry. Um, and the segment opens in Ted Danson's apartment. Uh, I don't even remember. What are their characters' names? You remember? <laughs> no, but I can look it up really quick. I don't remember either. We'll just call them Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's who they are to me. Um, that is true. So it opens in Ted Danson's apartment. And he uh, he's getting a knock on his door. He wakes up. And it's Leslie Nielsen. And there's this great bit when he goes to, uh, like he has the, you know, the chain lock on when he opens it. And Leslie Nielsen sticks his foot in the door. And he said, huh. That stuff may work in the movies, pal, but I can bench press 300 pounds. I'll, you know, basically break your foot right off. <laughs> and Leslie Nielsen's super pompous, and he's like, oh, you won't want to do that because uh, you'll never find out what's going on with her, blah, blah, really cryptically. And so he takes him in, and I, I love this about Leslie Nielsen's character. He's like this, you know, he he's this cold bastard that basically – doesn't even love his wife anymore, but Ted Danson and her are having an affair, and he says, well, I keep what's mine. That's, it doesn't matter if I love her or not. But the entire time, he's, like, admiring his, v, his TV and VCR setup. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I thought that was so – I mean, obviously, when you get to the later part of this episode, you, you understand why. But, yeah, it was totally, like, random. He's just like, oh, you need to have this thing serviced. And all this stuff and uh surprised you didn't see a drop off in the quality of your picture <laughs> yeah and ted danson's like trying to convince this guy like oh you know i'm wealthy you know ish i have money she doesn't want anything you know just let her go yeah yeah and he's like it's not about her it's about i keep what's mine and she's mine and so he says you know uh you know basically get out or i'll call the police and he says well if you do you'll never you know, you won't find her. You won't find out what happens to her. And he says, you know, what did you do with her, you son of a bitch? And he says, I'll kill you. And he says, if you kill me, you'll never find out. And he, like, grabs him. He said, careful, these are these are uh, marble floors. I could fall, hit my head, crack my head wide open. Uh, well, I, that's not a bad idea. Then you'll never know what happened to your lady fair. <laughs> Just this great, like, tough guy dialogue. It's like straight out of the 50s. And so um, he takes him to his, like, big beach compound. And they're having this 
this conversation on the way, and he just keeps like bragging about like uh, you know his his the things he has, and talks about you know VCRs and shit, <laughs> and pull, pulls up to the beach, and uh, he's like, "Come on, come on, follow me," and he sees a shovel with a mound of dirt yep. on the beach, and he's like. Oh, is that your lady fair? Maybe. Only one way to find out. So Ted Danson runs to the grave, what he thinks is the grave, and finds an empty hole. But Leslie Nielsen pulls out a gun from his ankle and points it at him and tells him, basically, you're going to bury yourself up to your head in this sand. Well, real quick, because I I think that uh, it's, I love this part where Ted Danson runs ahead of him. He pulls the gun out. Uh, he grabs the shovel, and then he he thinks he's got the upper hand now. And he turns around yeah. like he's going to strike him. And then that's when he realizes the gun is on him, and he's kind of defenseless. Now he has to do whatever this guy says. I love yeah, that. well, the best part is Ted Danson, when he's pointing the gun at him, he says, you know, you know, get in there and start pounding the, mounting the dirt on top of you. And he says, no way. You know, you're going to have to shoot me. And um, then he starts yelling for help, and he says, "Oh, uh, Paradise Cove is very, uh, is very uh, quiet. You know, it's, it's very uh, private. And uh, you can yell all you want." So they both start yelling help, and he shoots at him to show how quiet it is. And my favorite, this is the best. It's a totally 1950s. The 1950s used to hold the gun here at their hip all the time. Uh, it's always like, yeah. And then he just goes, <laughs> I get the gun. Uh, the, totally 1950s shooting. Cracked me up. And uh, that's how they used to teach policing, by the way. I learned that in college. That's how they would, they would teach you to, sh- to stand like this, which is a terrible technique. The other one, they used to teach him to stand like this, which is a good way to get yourself bashed in the face <laughs> but, uh, by the recoil. But um, anyway... He starts bearing, he says, basically, if you don't um, do it, she's going to die, you know. So he does it because he has no other choice. Either he gets shot and dies and she dies too, or he does what this guy, because he says, I only want to incapacitate you. So he does it. He buries himself up to his head. So it's only Ted Danson's head sticking out of the sand. How do you guys, what would you guys do in this? How scary would that be? This is 100% the scariest one, I think, in this whole movie. <laughs> this gave me so much anxiety. I, like, don't even want to watch this one. I, like, would fast forward <laughs> through this one if I had to watch it again. So when it gets to the point where he does get submerged, was that when you were like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no, it didn't even take that long for me. I was it like, was I hate this. Like from the beginning, I was like, "This is not good. <laughs> this is gonna be yeah, bad." No, I, yeah, I always try to put myself in the position of the person who like they're in that predicament, and I'm like, "Man, how would I get out of this?" I'm like, you really, you kind of can't. I mean, if you're buried up to your your neck, yeah, your nothing you can arms do. were straight down, like you're kind of screwed. And and also with sand, like when it gets wet, it gets heavier, viscous too. Yeah, <laughs> it gets even more uh, compact. So it would, uh, I mean, you, I don't know. I, one day I want to try this and see what my, my luck is, but uh, it'd be scary. 
Lydia and I will bury you in up to your head in sand. <laughs> we'll just, as long as we're not close to the tide, I'm totally. We'll right. be far away from yeah. the tide, but we'll 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 have a, like a laptop and make you watch uh, Puppet Master, the first one on loop. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> be like, well, you better get out of it. Or <laughs> watching. You better, get, or you're gonna see some more off-screen deaths. <laughs> <laughs> I think he should have used his chin more and neck. Like, I think maybe he could have done a little bit more than just sit there. <laughs> you know but, who would have totally escaped this? Bruce Campbell. He could have dug out with his chin for sure. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, he'd just like, I, it'd be like a dump truck. <laughs> yeah. I think Ted Danson had enough chin to definitely <laughs> dig himself out of that, but. I mean, it would have taken a while, and it was like coming in pretty quick. So I don't know. I would have, I would have tried that though, if I was in that situation. We're gonna myth bust this. Yeah, we'll try it. We'll try it. I also would have tried. I don't know if he would have been killed or whatever, but I would have tried to like get like at least one leg up, like a knee, you know, like a, so you could maybe like push yourself up, like to stand. Yeah. Because he was on his knees, and there's just no getting out of that. Well, it depends on if he was actually burying himself. Because we do a cross dissolve. We don't see exactly what. Yeah. So it depends on if he's, like, standing back and letting him do what he wants. Or if he starts, you know, holding the gun right on him and telling him, do this, do that. You know, we don't know. Um, so we, we, we find him stuck with his head up into the sand, uh, buried up to his head. And he wheels out a TV. Well, the best part is we we cut, and we see, like, this... Crab crawling right by his head, and he's like, "Hey, hey, get out of here!" And he's like trying to like shoo the crab away from his face. Ted Dan or uh, Leslie Nielsen comes along and like kicks it out of the way, and he's like, wheels a TV because of course he does. He, he loves TV, and he's has a VCR and whatever, and he shows footage of uh, his wife being buried up to her neck, and the tide coming in and hitting her face. And mm -hmm. he's like, this is a trick. This is special effects. Like, oh, I tell you, if you could turn your head and see the VCR back there, you'd see it's totally on record because I want to watch this later. You're like, what a freaking sick bastard. So scary. <laughs> so uh, basically he says the tide's coming in. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, either the tide's going to break you loose and you can get free yourself when, as the tide's coming in, or you're going to basically drown. But he says, yeah, so uh, here's what's happening. And you got to, can you, you know, the tide coming in, all that salt in your mouth. And you got to catch a quick breath before, before the tide comes in. Take a quick breath and then let it hit you. You know, very scary, menacing, telling him, like, this is basically your demise. And then yep. leaves him, just leaves him there and skedaddles off. And then we so see. I got to say. This is a speculation, but uh, I would assume that this guy, his fortune came from like telecommunications because uh, for the time he would have had to have had quite the setup in order to get a signal that far down the beach and have, uh, you know, the TV and the VCRs and everything. Yeah, I mean, he had the cables and everything. And we see that when we yeah. go to his, when we go to his mansion, we see this big, like, or we see all the the cameras and everything like he's he's like av 
master. So he goes home and he turns on the, he hits a button on the wall and this painting comes up and reveals like a, a, you know, like a security screens. And he's watching them live, watching them both drown basically with this tide. And the, the tide keeps coming up and hitting Ted Danson and he's trying to like figure out what he's gonna do and the, he's taking the bucket out to sea and tide just keeps moving in further and further, get higher and higher. And he looks at the camera and he says, you know, I'll get you. you. Hear me? I'll get you. And then he says, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. What a great line. What a great yeah. line. Um, so eventually we see Ted Danson's completely submerged in water up to his head. And there's this great red backlight. Yep. And he's like holding his head and he's starting to get angry as he's trying to hold his breath. And then we, we cut away. So then we see Leslie Nielsen going through his day. The best part is when he goes to watch them drown, he dances around, makes himself a drink, and leans against the wall and laughs to himself as he's watching. <laughs> like a sick son of a bitch. Um... So yeah, uh, they're both dead, and Ted Danson's uh, super happy with himself, or uh, Leslie Nielsen's super happy Leslie with Nielsen. himself. He thinks he got away with it. He thinks everything's great, and uh, you know, starts hearing stuff. He thinks, but he, it's not that big of a deal. He's like, "Don't, don't lose your head now. It's fine. Let's get in the shower." So he goes and gets in the shower, and while he's doing that, is this great scene where we see the fog start creeping in and we're seeing all this stuff from the uh, view of the cameras the security cams and the security cameras are picking up nothing it's just like there's nothing there but the door opens by itself and the wall thing you're muted Derek the wall thing uh <laughs> the wall thing uh opens up by itself. And so he, he starts hearing stuff outside and he, so he goes out to see what's, what's, what's happening. He puts on a robe and, uh, you know, he's hollering. He thinks that it's Ted Danson. And he's like, oh, uh, cause he goes to visit before that happens. He goes to visit the beach and he can't find their bodies. And he says, the tide must've washed them out. Basically making himself feel better. Yeah, that's what mm -hmm. happened. The tide must have washed him out. Must have washed out to sea. So he thinks that he escaped. So he grabs the gun and he's like, may I remind you, my dear boy, I'm the one with the gun, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. uh, he goes downstairs or goes to open the door and he runs smack dab into Ted dancing in the girl as seaweeded, zombified, undead creatures, basically. Yep. What do you guys think of the look of these guys? Go ahead. Go ahead, Lydia. Sorry. Jake just came home and he heard what you were saying and he was like, that's a good one. <laughs> like, I love him. Leslie Nielsen, no matter where he's at. <laughs> uh, I thought they looked awesome. Super spooky. 
super cool effects, super classic. <laughs> Derek, what are your thoughts? I thought that uh, they looked great. I especially like when he starts shooting them, and then you see this yeah. like greenish, like bluish ooze coming out of their uh, their wounds where he's shooting them. Yeah, especially uh, when it shoots him in the face. Like, he didn't believe yeah. at first. Like, he didn't even believe that. He thought that he, he was, like, being pranked or something. He was like, I'm, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, a gun, so. And he, like, shoots her right in the head, and it's just like. That reaction water, shot after he shoots water. her in the head is great. Because, yeah. like you said, he's, like, very, like, cocky. He has a gun. And he, like, nonchalantly shoots her in the face. And then when it that goo comes out, nothing happens. His it, he immediately turns to fear, and then he starts firing holes in him. While Ted Danson keeps saying the creepy line, "What's the line that they keep saying?" Don't hold your breath, or something about holding your breath. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. And he keeps like slowly coming towards him. So then he runs up the stairs, shuts the door, and locks it. And there's this beat where he, where he's waiting and waiting, and and he turns around, smack dab. They're already in the room, and he runs right into him. And then that's when it goes full creep show, and he starts going mad. Mm-hmm. He starts crying but laughing at the same time. We do this great reaction shot where the background appears behind him, and he's. <laughs> And they're all like really brightly red lit and green lights and and they're like and he's you know uh doing that classic <laughs> and um so they basically take him and then we end up on the beach and he's buried to his head and he's like oh i can hold my breath for a long time then a tide comes in and hits him, and he's shocked, and then we freeze frame out. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think of that ending? I like it because it it's like fantastic. It, it freeze frames, and you're like, whew, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can catch my breath. Yeah. And it's kind of that comic, like, so you're like, okay, this is fun again. That yeah. was really <laughs> intense for a minute. <laughs> Derek, what are your thoughts on this segment? This is my favorite segment of, uh, of all five stories. It was so intense. Uh, it was filled with a lot of anxiety. Um, I feel like the acting was superb. Uh, the premise, although extremely simple, was so effective. It really, you, you, could, you felt for Ted Danson's character and just like every minute he progressed closer to his, his demise essentially. So I, I loved it. It was really great. Lydia. Yeah. <laughs> did you, you like, didn't rate it, did you? No, he didn't rate it yet. Okay. No. Just your thoughts on this overall. Gotcha. <laughs> that's what I was, that's what I was hoping you were saying. And I was like, yes. should I read it? Should yeah, I read yeah. it right now? No. no. Um, yeah. It's, Definitely stressful for me. I don't know. I have like a really big fear of the ocean and like drowning specifically. So didn't, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to watch stuff like that. 
Like every single time, every movie, if it's water stuff, I, I'm like, nah. nah. <laughs> but the acting in it was really great because it was very stressful. <laughs> this segment is one of my favorites too. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite segment. I'll get to that when we rate him. Derek already spilled the beans on this being his favorite segment. <laughs> what do you do? But um, no, I really like the segment a whole lot too. And uh, I mean, you can kind of tell by our ratings what what's just our favorite, I guess. But you know, whatever. Um, but just because we rate it to highest doesn't mean it's necessarily our favorite either. Um, but this this segment is phenomenal. I think it's what I like about it is the first two thirds of this whole segment is. Uh, I mean, it's an outlandish plot, but it's also steeped in believability. It's something that technically could happen you know like it's it's there's no supernatural elements to it at all and then at that and then that uh ending that third act of this little of the segment of this uh, bit it turns to a supernatural and it becomes comic book fun again so you're dealing with all this intense like crazy scary stuff and then it turns into this you know it turns it on its head and he gets his comeuppance because they come back from beyond the grave to, you know, get their vengeance. And it's uh, just a well well done, thought out segment. Derek, you're rating for this one. I give this one an eight. Mm. Lydia? It's one of my highest marks. I'm, I'll give it an eight. I also give this one an eight. This is a, uh, this is, this one's just, it's, so strong. It's such a, like Derek said, and I think he put it the best, it's such a simple concept, but done so damn well. So our next segment is um, The Crate. Now, guys, let's just, let's just get into what The Crate's like. Let's just talk about The, 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 the Crate. Let's just talk about Fluffy. Let's talk about him and his design. Before, let's just get it out of the way. You know that's why we know that's why you're here. So let's just get it out of the way. What are your guys' thoughts on Fluffy? Love it. Love it. This was the this was the one that stands out to me the most from like remembering it from when I watched it in high school. This was the thing that was really like my favorite part. I like creature design has always been something I really love and the creature design in this is so good. Derek, what are your thoughts on Fluffy? Um I liked it. I mean it was a little bit uh over the top as uh, far as like how gorish the I don't know, was he a monkey looking? Mm -hmm. ape-looking thing. Uh, I liked it a lot. I, I An abominable. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah I mean, I... There's uh, some really, like, good special effects uh, in this segment. Um, there's a point where he, like, bites the guy's face, and you can see mm. the teeth yeah. marks in it. I loved that part. Oh, yeah, and, this uh... is the goriest segment, for sure. This segment is where all <laughs> the gore was packed in. Um, yeah, I love Fluffy. And this yeah. also has... One of my favorite shots. That's right up there with the doctor shot, which is a shot of Fluffy's eyes in the crate. Such yeah. a great shot. I love the yellow of his eyes. It's so mm -hmm. cool. 
So cool. So now that we've talked about Fluffy, let's get on with the actual story of this one, which is um, basically there are there are these uh, professors at this university, and one of the professors has just lost his wife, and he's kind of just you know the he's just a regular professor, regular guy. He maybe flirts with uh, some grad students. We find out, but other than that, mild mannered guy. Then there's his best friend, played by Hal Halbrick, who is um, down on his luck. He's a betrodden man because he's married to the worst woman, <laughs> like just a very overbearing. A drunk woman. What do you named Billy? Her name is William or Wilma, but she goes by Billy. Her name is William. <laughs> Her name is William. 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 <laughs> Her parents it's, are really uh, mean. Wilma. Yes, it is. I know. <laughs> Derek goes in five minutes later. Actually. <laughs> Billy first. What are you guys' thoughts on Billy? She's a character. <laughs> you you want to hear course... my direct note? Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thought. I'm sorry. Oh, she's played by uh, the great Adrian Barbeau, who is fantastic in this movie and every other movie she's in. Um, but yeah, Derek, I want to hear your, your direct note on Billy. So there's a... He daydreams throughout this segment, and there's mm -hmm. a... Uh, one of the daydreams is like they're at this party mm -hmm. and uh, before you realize it's a daydream, he pulls out a gun and shoots her. <laughs> and so when that happens, uh, my notation is I might shoot my wife also. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh with that shirt, that doesn't come as a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a low blow anyway. And then you realize it's a, it's a uh, daydream, but yeah, man, I don't know. I I feel like I would have uh, like I would have done something. Like divorce her? Probably divorced her. Probably divorced her. <laughs> I'm just speaking with logic, and you know, as not a psychopath, <laughs> that's probably the best action to take. <laughs> There's more creative solutions, which we find out in this segment. Exactly. Um, yeah, I have a notation about that too. Um. So we find out that he's married to this woman who's mean to him all the time, always talks down to him, and uh, he is trying to, you know, just live his live his life. And uh, she keeps saying, uh, her her classic quote is, "What would you do without me?" So uh, the janitor at the school is flipping that the segment opens with him flipping uh, heads or tails to see what he cleans first, and a quarter rolls underneath the uh, staircase, and he tries to fetch it, and he sees that there's a, a crate in, underneath the stairs. So he um, calls his, the doctor, uh, the, the one professor, to go check on it. So he goes to check on it, and um, when he gets there, they, they decide to, he goes and looks at it. They see it's from like 1837 or something like that. Um, and it's chained up. It's chained, and it's like real, like secured in there. And when they pull it out, and there's this great intense scene of them opening the crate. Like I love when they're pulling out the nails, and th they have already unlocked it, and they're trying to get it open. 
and they open it just a little bit and the janitor's like there's something in there you know it's like oh there's something shiny in there and the professor sees fluffy's eyes and the janitor puts his hand in there and that was a mistake <laughs> because he grabs him and pulls him in and eats him from the, the top up uh what do you guys think of the janitor's death I really love the whole scene of them just opening the crate. Yeah, me like, too. The detail, like even the nails, they got the nails right. Like yeah. that's special. Old nails. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And what about his death? Yeah, I feel like it was good. I yeah. It could have been, probably could have been more, but I mean, they didn't want to reveal too much. No, yeah. It. Yeah, and the blood coming down his body as he's yeah, being yeah, eaten. Yeah. I like the janitor. He was a great guy. Yeah. Poor well, damn janitor. Poor guy. I know. There is a, like, just paying attention to the scene, there's a really, I, I found it kind of funny. So when they're opening the crate, the janitor has his, like, little chisel and his hammer. Bam, bam. And then you go to the professor guy, and he's got, like, a crowbar. And he looks over like, oh, he's got a hammer. What am I going to use? And he's yeah. like using his hand. Yeah, so he just starts pounding it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, the the uh, the old nails, because just the way that they're like shaped was a mm -hmm. really great touch. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a little fun segment. I, I liked it a lot. So then uh, the professor, of course, runs out terrified and runs into this grad disheveled. student. Yeah, disheveled. Uh, you know, he's not covered in blood yet. He's got a cut above his eye, but that's it. And he uh, runs into this grad student who has the greatest polo shirt and the greatest glasses I've ever seen. <laughs> he's definitely from the 80s, that's for sure. Um, so he uh, takes them, you know, both takes him to the tells him about what's going on. And then the, the kid, Mark is his name, no, wants to see what's in there. He's like, I've got to see, you know, because at first he thinks he's crazy. He's like, you're going on a ride, you're being all crazy. So he goes in and then he sees the blood and he thinks the professor murdered the guy. And he's like, no, I'm telling you he's in there. And they eventually see that he's like, oh my God, he went back underneath the stairs. So he sees under the stairs and finds the flashlight and sees the, the janitor's shoe. And he's like, oh, I need to get that shoe because uh, I want to, you know, I want to measure the bite marks on it. So he throws it back. And then behind him, Fluffy appears. He's already waiting in the corner and messes this dude up, dude. Like, I mean, he swipes him across the chest. And then the guy has a wrench in his hand. And he yeah, turns towards totally the professor, and the, he hits Fluffy in the back of the head with this wrench. <laughs> Fluffy turns around and smashes his face or his back of his head against the wall, slashes his face open, and then pulls him in and bites his face off. <laughs> Which is, by far, I think, the best kill in this whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. The bite, the the shape of the bite is so. The teeth on Fluffy is. Oh. Love we do know who did the special effects for this movie, right? The great Tom Savini. Yes. And it shows. 
<laughs> Round of applause for Mr. Savini. Always. You always applaud Tom Savini. So, um, yeah, so he's, so he, he's dead. <laughs> and the professor leaves and goes to Hal Holbrook's house. Uh, meanwhile, Hal Holbrook has had another conversation with Billy. She said she's going out. She's drinking some more. He daydreams about strangling her to death with his tie. <laughs> like one does. And like one does. And then uh, the, his buddy comes over and they, they have a discussion. And he tells him about it. And the, I love this. How Holbrook's just sitting there listening to it calmly. Listening to all this craziness. And you can see the wheels turning as he's talking. And he's like, okay. All right. So he's like, I'm going to go to the restroom real fast, you know, and then we'll, we'll figure this out. And he starts, you know, they were starting, they were drinking already. He goes to the bathroom and grabs some pills out of the bathroom and brings them back and crushes them up into the professor's glass. And he's like, because, you know, he's telling him about, you know, what we need to figure this out. We need to stop this so it doesn't hurt people, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss what to do after this last drink. And he gives it to the professor, which knocks him out. So he leaves his den and locks, locks him in so Billy can't find him. Nothing will happen to him. And he starts writing a letter to Billy. And then we see him go to the university, and he's checking out the aftermath of everything. Sees where Fluffy is, sees what's going on, and he starts cleaning it all up. Billy gets home and she starts reading the letter and it's read in Hal Hallberg's voice, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he narrates this and he basically tells her, Hey, so Dex is the professor's name. Dex, like Dex has really gotten to some trouble. He, after his wife died, he started messing around with some, you know, some grad students, you know, which isn't elite. I mean, it's probably against the rules, but at least he's not sleeping with like, kids or something messed up but he's like you know he's sleeping with grad students and uh but this time he really messed up because he he uh got her he got her drunk and they had a fight and dex attacked her and she's uh she's crawled in, in under this uh she's crawled under a dark place and won't come out and i know how you have such a great heart for this billy time out i've i gotta tell you my my note that i wrote here like after you find out that he's like, oh, she's under this thing, and you know that he's trying to get his wife to go under there so this monster can eat her. I wrote, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. <laughs> Good God. I'm glad I, glad I stopped so you could tell me that. <laughs> anyway, continue. Anyway, uh... So basically, yeah, he's going to lure there. He's like, I know you got such a great heart for this, Billy, and you're so it needs a firmer hand than mine, blah, blah. And she's she's eating all this up because she's into the drama. She's into him mm -hmm. messing up. She's into, you know, she's a masochist, essentially. And as she's doing this, she pours herself some vodka into a glass of milk. <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice that. You didn't notice that? So disgusting. Yeah. And she drives around with it. Yes. She shows up to the college with it in her hand. 
What? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. I'm ready now. I'm ready to go now. My milk vodka. Got my cereal. Got my milk vodka, the best kind. So she shows up and uh, hollers for him, and he's down. He's like, "Oh, down here, Billy." And as he's, she's like, "What has Dex gotten himself into and everything?" And he starts. He can't help himself. He starts laughing. He starts laughing, yeah. and she's like, "What are you laughing at? What's going on?" And he's like, "I'm sorry. Uh, you know, trust me. You'll find it funny too." Blah blah. And you, if there's a funny part to it, Billy, you just gotta see it. And he. Like, come on, takes her to it, and she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, that's the funny part. She's underneath there, she won't come out. And he's, uh, she's like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll go under there. So she starts to kind of go under there, and he pushes her up against it and starts shaking it and smack, slamming her against the, the crate and is like, wake up, wake up. And nothing happens. There's like this beat, and nothing's going on. And she's like, what the hell's the matter with you? And starts reading the riot act, telling him how pathetic he is, how he's a how he's a coward, how his how his PP doesn't work. <laughs> Basically, like, oh hey, by the way, you you haven't been a man. How long has it been since you've been a man in bed? And uh, like the whole shebang. And then she goes off. Like she goes off on him. Yeah. And she's like, and I swear, if you ever touch me again, then Fluffy raises up behind her and, well, fucks her up, essentially. Mauls her. Mauls her. You know, it, it was, it was kind of like uh, Fluffy was uh, got to the point after, I mean, she's just going on and berating this guy. Fluffy's just like, you know what? I'm going to kill her. It's yeah. just time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired she, of her, she, too. <laughs> so he, Fluffy eats her. Uh, Hal Halbrook immediately feels sick, goes and gets fresh air, about to throw up. And then uh, we find it like he's narrating back to Dex about what happened. And then we find out that he, after after that, he cleaned up all the remains. And he he does this like bit where he has to, this real suspenseful scene where he has to lock the crate back up. So he locks mm -hmm. it. Fluffy tries to get out, but he can't. And he, like, basically loads it up into the truck and drives it to a quarry to dump it in. And he says this great line I love. I think right before the end, it realized what was happening. I think it started to suspect what was happening. And I felt bad for Fluffy because he's just, he's just living his life, man. You know, he's, 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 just, <laughs> he's just been locked in a thing for 145 years and doesn't know what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? And... He's just eating when he can eat, and then he's about to be dumped in this water. So <clears throat> he gets pushed into the water, and they have this conversation between the two of them where it's like, "What are you going to tell? What are you going to tell them? Nothing. Thanks." So then they sit down to play chess again, and he says, uh, "What if it gets out? Dex, don't worry. You should have seen. It's drowned by now. You should have seen the way I locked it up." And then we go to the bottom of the, the lake, and we see Fluffy snap the whole box in half, and then we get a close-up of his eyes underwater, and then we fade out to the comic book. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, Lydia, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on The Crate? I love it. I think it's 
I just really like the story a lot of like a guy who has always just been like a quiet guy, just like imagines murdering his evil wife all the time. And like she's like she's pretty terrible. Like I she's seems like she's super cool with everybody, but she is so mean to him. Mm-hmm. That it's just, mm-hmm. and it's the way they play it out is just really funny. That he just like, like when he shot her, I was like, oh, what is happening right now? Because everybody just stops and starts clapping. It's the best part. <laughs> and the one guy goes, "Not hell of a shot." <laughs> yeah, bullseye. Yeah. I was like, what is this? What is this about? Hang on. And then you realize it's a it's a daydream. So I think that's really hilarious. <clears throat> Derek, your thoughts on this one? Just for the record, I would totally divorce my wife. Just saying. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I like the story, too. This is also, I, I think, the longest um, mm. of the, the five stories. So it was yeah. almost, you know, um, but it needed that time to really tell the story appropriately. Because mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot to it. There was a, It was a real deep story because you, you got to know that, uh, you know, this guy was... He he was living a terrible life, you know, and then uh, he found a, a way out, albeit not the the best way. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. Um, I also thought that they were one Jamie Lee Curtis away from having the Fog uh, reunion. They were so <laughs> close. Of course, this movie so yeah. close. They were but, one uh, Jamie Lee Curtis away. Yeah, but it was a fun that- story. I liked it a lot. That elusive Jamie Lee Curtis bit. Yeah, I I really enjoy this one too. Um, it's it is the longest, but I think it's also it needs that time, like you said. And it's uh, this is the one that always stood out to me as a kid. The two that stood out to me as a kid was always uh, something to tide you over in this one. Like that's what I re- when I th- think about Creep Show, I thought about the wraparound and those two segments specifically. Um, Derek, what would you rate this one? So I rated this one a seven as well. I thought it was uh, it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Lydia. Ten. Nice. I can mm-hmm. see that. It was, it was good. I give the crate a nine. <laughs> And you'll see why it's only a nine here in a bit. Uh, but yeah, a nine. So uh, the next bit is um, the last segment, which is they creep up on you. So let's just let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this segment? Is some people's least favorite? Because they find it the creepiest segment. It basically depends on how you feel about bugs. Right? Yeah. Um, let's get it out of the way to begin with. The, 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 the character, our, our, our protagonist, antagonist, our, the guy we follow in this, in this segment, is a total asshole. <laughs> oh, my God. He deserves everything that happens. But how great is the performance? Oh, it's it's amazing. My opinion. Yeah, he says some of the fucking. He plays it very well. 
the best bits. This one we don't need to really go by beat by beat because it's basically the the, the gist of it is he lives in this um, supposedly germ-free house, a germ-free high-rise uh, complex in his apartment. And uh, so he has this penthouse that's germ-free, has all this high-tech stuff. He's constantly on the phone berating all of his employees, and he keeps seeing cockroaches. And he says, once you get one roach, you get them all, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then he gets – he finds out that the guy who he just took over in a hostile takeover has shot himself, and he's very proud of this. So the widow – of this of the of the husband calls in and has this fucking amazing conversation. What do you guys think of this bit? It uh it really uh it defines the character yeah. for sure and it really lets you know like uh what about what is about to happen to him is justified in every way. way. And man, he really he says some harsh things to this now widow. Oh, yeah. He's like, "Oh, I'd fire your husband, but I guess it's too late for that." Yeah, the the exact or, line is the exact line is uh, she's like, "Who gave you my number? I'm gonna fire them. I got it out of my husband's notebook. You son of a bitch." Ah, well, I can't fire him, can I? <laughs> <laughs> really messed up. <laughs> yeah, oh it's gosh. really messed up, but it. It's also extremely hilarious because it's just how absolutely awful this guy is. And you're just rooting for him to, like, bad stuff to happen to him. You notice the little music that's playing is the same tune that plays in Evil Dead. You know, the, the little uh, music that plays over the end credits of the first Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. And during the whole uh, blood flood scene of the first Evil Dead. Which, don't worry, we will cover. We will cover it. Just just stay calm. Um, but, yeah, so we start to find out how big of a prick this guy is. He gets the uh, maintenance, or the, the, I guess the apartment manager, to come up. And he says mm-hmm. some really terrible racist things to this guy, too. Yeah, he does. Like, he literally drives it home. And, you know, he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, well, I hear that, you know, janitorial services and such are really good careers for you people which would have been you know like oh that's racist but he literally says and by that i mean people of color <laughs> You're like, oh my god yeah i want there to be no mistake yeah don't want you no mistake i'm, I'm a racist race. i'm a racist son of a bitch yeah just an awful <laughs> character and so i do love his setup though i love that little jukebox he has or that big jukebox mm-hmm. that plays the records. Super cool. He's all, I love how he's always listening to music from like the 30s and 40s. <laughs> well, I mean, he's old. Yeah, like a million That's years 80. old already. So too. throughout the uh, throughout the segment, more and more roaches start appearing in different areas. So like a, they'll start crawling out of the grates. He sees one here, one's there. He's spraying all these roaches with spray. Smashing roaches. Then the grossest, one of the grossest segments happens. He uh, is eating this mush that he made in this, like, thing. He finds a piece of a roach in there. And he goes and digs through it, and you yeah. see cockroaches in it. And then he 
pours, pours out the cereal and a bunch of roaches just fall out of the cereal. Ew. Ew. <laughs> so he, uh, the power goes out in the, the city and he's, he's without power. And as soon as the power goes out, all the roaches start flooding in and flooding in. And uh, he gets another call from the widow uh, at, the, at the end of this. But he basically, they start overrunning, and they're, like, everywhere. He's, like, trying to stomp on them. He's, they're just starting to overwhelm. So he goes and locks himself into this, like, sealed hyperbolic chamber or what have you. Um, and, you know, he's like, you can't get me in here. You'll never get me, blah, blah. And then the widow calls and starts talking to him again, saying he needs to he'd go to hell. He's going to die tonight. I can't wait for you to die, blah, blah, blah. And you see the, the sheets on the bed start to move. And he pulls it up, and the whole bed is covered with roaches. And then they just overwhelming. And he's, like, getting buried by the roaches, buried. And then the power comes back on. And he, all the roaches disappear. And he's laying on the bed, basically died of a heart attack. It seems, right? It's what it seems. <clears throat> and the, the manager comes and he's like hollering for him, trying to get his attention. He's not answering. And then, guys, the most disgusting, crazy thing possible happens. The roaches, like his, his head starts to pulsate. Then roaches start just pouring out of his whole body like his his head they start pouring out of his chest and they fill up the entire area and okay. then our segment ends what are your thoughts on that segment in, that part in particular the ending that effect i was like i i don't know how you manage to wrangle all those cockroaches but I imagine somebody like just owns all of them and is pretty just, like, sure. knows yeah. exactly how to like, oh, get the all of them in here and then we'll like make it to where it looks like they're breaking out of a person's body. And that is impressive. Yeah. Derek, what do you think of that roach coming uh, through his body? I thought it yeah, I thought it was great. There's a, a part where they're coming out of his forehead, but it's still him. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're coming out of his chest, and then there it, it comes to a part where you can obviously tell that it's a stand-in doll. But uh, oh yeah, man, some of the like it's not even a very good one. one. Yeah, yeah, but the effect is so strong that you just go with it. Yeah, because you're like, what yeah. a disgusting thought. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we're watching it, it now it, in 1080p. <laughs> right, right. Back then, they're like, I don't. Know. Was it? Did it even change? Uh, the, but the uh, grain will hide it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so creepy. I mean, it, it it gives you the creepy crawlies on a factor of like twelve. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. Lydia. What are your thoughts on this segment as a whole? Um, this one was definitely not one of my favorites. Um, for a couple reasons, I was a little bit confused on like what like what year it is, like, what is happening? Where is this guy? And I kind of convinced myself 
um, after he talked to the manager that he was in some kind of asylum and that he was probably like schizophrenic and OCD. And that that was like the life that he had created for himself in his head. And it was kind of like getting to him that like there were bugs everywhere. So like, I just convinced myself of that while I was watching this. And when it ended, I was like, Oh, that was, I guess. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Um, the other thing that kind of bothered me was the sound design was, I don't know. Maybe I had my TV up way too loud, but it was like really overwhelming to me to hear like the cockroach sound. Yeah. Yeah. It was very loud. That's an interesting take on it, though. I mean, it could be interpreted that way for sure. That's an interesting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Derek, what's your what are your thoughts on this segment? Uh, just to that point, and to Lydia's, uh, I had not even thought of, thought of it in that way, but I definitely see where you could have come uh, away with that. So that's awesome. Um, I love the simplicity of it. It's one person in a room and. He gets phone calls. He has interactions with one other. One other. That's actor. what I love too. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like you don't need a big ensemble to create uh, something that you know. If for some people, I guarantee, like this is the scariest thing they've ever seen with all the cockroaches, the placement of the cockroaches, um, in some like at the very end, just the sheer volume of cockroaches. Yeah, uh, I mean there is a lot. Yeah, it's so. It has a lot going for it, for as simple as it is. Um, I liked it a lot. I like it, too. Um, I like, again, I also like the simplicity of it. I, I, when I was watching it, that's the like mental note I made was, I like the idea that this is one guy in a room, and <clears throat> we're just seeing these bits, you know, and he's interacting on the phone. The only other human character that we see is the uh, the apartment manager. So it's like... That's all great. Like, I, I think that's very strong. Um, and I love the, the effects of it and everything. Um, I also think it's actually really funny. I think it's really funny because of the, the, sh the shit that guy says is just messed up and hilarious to me. Um, so I really, I, I like the segment quite a bit too. I think it's, it's solid. Uh, what would you give this segment, uh, Lydia? Um, I'd probably give it, I give it a six. Derek, what would you give this one? I gave it a seven. I also will give this one a seven. So that brings us to the um, wraparound. So we, after this, we we cut to basically it's uh, the next morning and. We mm -hmm. see the garbage people picking up garbage, which of course is played by one of the garbage men is played by who? Tom Savini. Mm -hmm. And uh and they're his playing his mustache. Oh, his mustache is, is is perfect. And so uh they're they they the the other garbage man picks up the finds the comic book and you know it's like looking through it, he's like, What do you got there? Oh comic book, and he's like, Oh comic book <laughs> So silly. I don't know what that's about. But um, they, uh, they, they're they looking through it and they realize that there's a segment. Like he says, uh, oh, there's, there's x-ray eyes, you know, where you can 
look in and do this. And then he's like, oh, here's a voodoo doll. Oh, well, you can't get this one because the uh, it's cut out. You know, somebody already redeemed this one. So we cut back to the house and we see uh, Todd Atkins looking badass, getting ready for work. And he's like, where's that kid? Billy! And he starts being an asshole again to the kid. She's like, oh, uh, he's coming down. He said he'd be down in a minute. And he's like rubbing his neck. And she's like, what's wrong? He's like, ah, oh, got a damn crick in my neck. I've had it all morning. And she's like, oh, do you, do you want some Bengay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I'm a couple years away from Sarah asking me that. <laughs> you want some Bengay? <laughs> like, yeah, throw some on my left shoulder. Um, but... <laughs> He's like, no, I'll be all right. And then uh, he starts like going <clears throat> and holding his throat. And then we see that Billy's upstairs with a voodoo doll. First of all, the wife sees a cut a cutout piece of his shirt. She's like, wonder, you know, hmm. his shirt has a cutout. So then we see Billy upstairs with a voodoo doll with a piece of shirt wrapped around it. And he's stabbing it in the neck. And he's like, throw away my comic books. <laughs> Teach you to throw away my books. And he just keeps jabbing him, and he's just like, oh, oh. And then we end on that. And then we fade into the end credits. Uh, so as a whole, what's your thoughts on the wraparound? I mean, it has Tom Atkins in it. What else do we need to say on this podcast? Exactly. <laughs> Derek, thoughts on the wraparound? Like, there's a random uh, uh, podcast out there. They're just obsessed with you, Tom. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I, I love how the voodoo doll is just like a throwaway line mm -hmm. until the next scene. And then, uh, you know, you, you see Billy like stabbing the voodoo doll. Like I actually, so I, once uh, that happened, I, like I had to mentally think, oh yeah, they, they mentioned that uh, in the last uh, in the last scene. Um, so I, this actually gave this movie just a little bit of, more of a, a boost for me in my overall rating. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was a, a really clever way to incorporate, um, you know, the beginning and the end of this collection of uh, horror stories. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I love the wraparound. The wraparound is great to me. I think it's a great way to open the movie and a great way to close the movie. It sets the perfect tone for both of those things. Uh, it has Tom Atkins in it, 10 out of 10. Um, but also, it has Joe Hill in it. Stephen King's nine-year-old son plays Billy. That's Joe Hill, the great uh, writer in his own right. Um, so, yeah, that's also awesome. But, yeah, I give the wraparound a 10 out of 10. Uh, it's, it's super fun, super great, super Tom Atkins. Uh, <laughs> Lydia, what do you rate the wraparound? 10 out of 10. Derek, what do you rate the wraparound? You're muted. <laughs> <laughs> I rated a 10 out of 10. Well, thank you very much, Derek. <laughs> you know, I, I, di I didn't really think about that aspect. I, I, would, I would say, yeah, I would give it a 9. You can give it a 10 out of 10. Tom Atkins is in it. No, no, yet the, the the ten is reserved. Okay, okay. But anyway, uh, I would say a nine. But now I'm gonna have to like recalculate 
what my <laughs> well while you're recalculating lydia and i will go over our pumpkin counts okay lydia on a whole what do you give creep show i give creep show i'm gonna give creep show a nine Nine out of ten pumpkins. Are you still calculating, Derek? Yeah, probably done just a second. Uh, okay. I All am right. also going to give Creep Show a nine out of ten. <clears throat> I love Creep Show. It's one of my all-time favorites. I think it's a super great movie to watch. Especially, I think it's a good gateway horror movie for for some younger viewers. Uh, really, this movie earns its R rating in that last segment. I think without that, and maybe the gore and, and fluffy segment, but that the last segment has quite a few F-bombs, which is, I think, why it's completely rated R. Because as I was watching it, I was like, you know, almost you could get away with this being a PG-13 movie, probably, in nowadays standards. But I think Creepshow is a great, uh, it's, it's, it's scary when it needs to be, it's funny, it's beautifully shot, well-written, wonderfully acted. Uh, Nine out of ten. It's uh, about as close to a ten as you're going to give. Uh, Savoring of ten for a, for a, for a future movie, which you could probably guess by looking at my wall. <laughs> Derek, what is your uh, rating for Creep Show? Uh, it averaged out to be a seven point one six six. I'm going to say seven point two. That's very high, though. That's still a very high rating for you. So yeah, you know what killed it was the uh, the Father's Day one. I that was the the weakest link. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I gave it seven. I think I gave it multiple sevens, uh, an, an eight and uh, or a nine and a ten is what I think I gave them. Because uh, what's your favorite segments, guys? We didn't we didn't label that. I mean, we kind of did, but. Lydia, what, what was your favorite segment? Um, so the crate is my favorite. Derek, yours is uh, something to tide you over, right? Yep. My favorite, besides the wraparound, is uh, the crate as well. I think the crate is awesome. And the close second is something to tide you over. It's very, very good. It's right underneath of it. Um, See, my... Second one was the Stephen King one. Oh, Jordy Farrell's also great too. It's really very know. good. They're all just so much damn fun. Uh, any other words on Creepshow? Every time you say I that, like my mind goes totally blank, and I'm like, uh, like what is Creepshow? What's Creepshow? <laughs> have I seen that? I don't know if I've It's a movie we just watched. Oh, Creep Show. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a yeah. good movie. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I recommend it as well. I definitely <laughs> for uh, anybody that loves comic books and horror movies. Um, who's Derek? Do you have the list of uh of what the next short or the next uh movie is? I do. Would you pull that up so we can tell our audience what it's going to be? 
Well, we're getting professional, and we made a list. We made a list, but it's my turn to pick, but I can't remember what I picked. (laughs) Exactly. She picked this. She picked this. So your pick pick was... I'm so excited to know what my pick was. (laughs) (laughs) The witch. The witch. The witch? That's, That's this week already? Yeah. Oh, okay. The witch. So... Watch The Witch. Where can they find The Witch? Is it on Netflix still? I have no idea. I own it, so... Look for it on streaming services. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, So next week is The Witch. Uh, Any last uh, words before we sign off to our viewers? And listeners? For the audio files? Do not go by (laughs) any of the stories that were presented here today. Good advice. Good advice. Uh, do not use this as a way to live your life unless you uh, create a voodoo doll and stab people in the neck when they throw away your shit because that's natural. Yeah. You guys ever get that Good when you're like, you just, do you just get like a random pain and you're like, what if somebody has like a voodoo doll of me right now? <laughs> no, but I'm going to now. I always, yeah, I never appeared or you know i never thought about it that way i always thought it was nice enough that nobody was voodooing me maybe i pissed some people off everybody you know who it is it's charles band because we've been talking shit about puppet master Mm -hmm. even though we love him clearly we love him yeah (laughs) they're just not very good (laughs) if derek derek's the one he's got a doll of yeah definitely derek's I th- all the filmmakers pretty much have dolls of Derek at this point. <laughs> I have high standards. What can I say? <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, if there's nothing else, then we will sign off for Scream Bloody Movies. I'm Jamie Hiles. <laughs> I messed that up. I always do that. I forget. It's like I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I forget it. For Lydia Judy and Derek Lemaster, I'm Jamie Hiles. And remember, if you're going to scream, scream bloody movies. (laughs) Derek was like 45 minutes late on that one. I was not. I feel like I was like maybe just a smidgen. I think Lydia and I had finished saying Scream Bloody Movies by the time you got to Bloody. (laughs) I don't don't think. There was, I was uh, in, you know, uh, doing the editing for this. There was one I was completely off on. But I'm telling you, I was pretty close this time.